Before tonight's program, I thought I would indulge you musically. Every now and then I'll be doing this on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast because tomorrow is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Canceled this year due to COVID. So what HBO has done is put together documentary style. This wonderful presentation of the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. To be inducted, Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, the late Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the late Notorious B.I.G. and T-Rex, with the Amit Erdogan Award going to John Landau and Irving Azoff. Azoff. So, I'm a big fan of... I mean, I'm, I'm not really a big T-Rex fan. I'm aware of them. I'm also aware of the Doopy Brothers. I think, you know, everyone's heard What a Fool Would Believe. Um, you know, listen to the music and... I grew up, you know, though, listening to Depeche Mode, Personal Jesus, Enjoy the Silence. In fact, the album that really catapulted uh, Depeche Mode into the forefront was the album Violator, which came out 30 years ago. Personal Jesus, um, pers- uh, you know, um, Policy of Truth, Enjoy the Silence, Nine Inch Nails, Nine Inch Nails, a year before uh, Depeche Mode put out their debut album, Pretty Hate Machine, and then you know gave us Broken and gave us um, the the downward spiral, only to come back into two thousands. Trent Reznor got clean off of drugs and gave us With Teeth and Year Zero and Ghosts, along with hesitation marks and he just continues to grow you know and what's interesting about nine inch nails is is the the lineup always changes but they're inducting a lot of people you know nine inch nails really got their inspiration from bands like the cure ministry trent reznor has often credited al jorgensen and ministry for inspiring him to create a band like nine inch nails with the industrial influence And then we have the Notorious B.I.G. My brother was a big Notorious B.I.G. fan, as was my cousin growing up. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. And what's interesting is when they were alive, the two top rappers of the moment were the Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, who were at one point friends and had a lot of respect for one another you know and they're now they are both in the rock and roll hall of fame you know from ready to die to the double album life after death which came out weeks after the notorious big's murder in los angeles in 1997 he was just 24 years old he had been murdered months after Tupac Shakur, who was murdered in Las Vegas in 1996. So often when people say, oh, I'm just now getting into Tupac, I'm like, yeah, I remember when they were alive. And when these double, you know, that was the thing, double albums back then, only classical artists or anthologies were double albums. And this forever changed hip hop. Also the East and West rivalry. But you know, at the end of the day, it's about the lyricism of Biggie Smalls. And then we arrive 
at the, probably one of the most amazing female vocalists of all time, and that's Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, who left us in 2012, I I always thought at one point maybe she would get get her stuff together, you know, that she would come back. And un- unfortunately, that didn't happen. Her death was truly a great shock to me. But those of us who grew up in the 1980s, you know, I was a little kid in the 1980s, and I can tell you the first time I ever heard Whitney Houston's voice and what it did to the hairs on my arms, and and it gave you this wonderful sh- kind of shiver, this, what what, is, what am I hearing? Is this beyond this world that we know? Is this some kind of supernatural force that has given this voice to this beautiful woman, you know, from... Saving all my love to you. You give good love. The greatest love of all. So emotional. I want to dance with somebody. Uh, How will I know? All the man that I need. To the Bodyguard soundtrack. The Bodyguard soundtrack. Probably the first CD I ever owned. You know, I will always love you. I'm every woman. I have nothing I want to run to you. Jesus loves me. Queen of the night. I mean, it it is the soundtrack of all soundtracks. You know, soundtracks really started to catch on with the bodyguard. The bodyguard, the movie was big, but the soundtrack was even bigger. You know, and that's where you have soundtracks like, you know, Titanic and um, City of Angels, where the soundtrack is the truly the bread and the meat and potatoes of the actual film. You know, and then we have T Rex, whom I'm not too familiar with. I know that they sang that song, Bang a Gong. But I think this is wonderful. You know, due to COVID, they couldn't do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I'm looking forward to this presentation on HBO. Stay tuned tomorrow night. And now, as always, the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast begins with tonight's film. Stay tuned. Good evening. Is the mic warm? I've been building up to this for days. The Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Good evening. I promise you we're going to talk about Night of the Hunter, directed by Charles Lawton. The only film that he ever directed, he was an Academy Award winning actor, you know, famous for Mutiny on the Bounty, The Private Lives of Henry, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So upon researching this film, and I've seen this film many times, I asked that question. Is this a noir? Is this a film noir? Um, some say yes, but I, I want to get want to kind of get a prospect right here for those who don't think so. Now, Eddie Mueller himself of TCM has said that this is fairy tale noir. Okay, but I thought I would go in search of. So I went to Classic Film Lovers on Facebook and I asked, would you consider Night of the Hunter noir or fantasy noir? Now the responses I got were interesting. 
I think it's a fairy tale, a dark fairy tale. The characters are good or evil, very little in between. I don't see it as a noir because there is no moral ambiguity. But I'm glad it's considered to be noir so we can discuss it. Noir because it is a psychological thriller film, no magic or fantasy at all. Noir is about dark side of life, but it's just not the same without a world-weary, fedora-wearing, cynical, wise-cracking guy in it. Okay. Some would say it's Southern Gothic. Um, but any Mueller of TCM, of Noir um, Alley, uh, a, a Californian just like me, I, I'll take his word for it. Night of the Hunter. It's fairy tale noir. Children's noir. In the tradition of the window, shadow on the wall, uh, talk about a stranger. But Night of the Hunter, it's the best. Fairy tale noir. That's true. So it's fairy tale noir. You know, we're talking about noir classics here on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast for the month of November. Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter was released in 1955. <sighs> released July 26th, 1955 through United Artists. It was based off of the novel, The Night of the Hunter by Davis Grubb. The casting was interesting. Uh, Lawton considered casting Gary Cooper as Harry Powell, but Cooper did not accept the role as he thought it might be detrimental to his career. John Carradine expressed interest in the role of the Reverend, as did Laurence Olivier. But this his schedule wasn't free for two years. Robert Mitchum was eager for the part of the preacher. When he auditioned, a moment that particularly impressed Charles Lawton was when Lawton described the character as a diabolic shit. And Mitchum promptly answered, present. Lawton liked Mitchum for the role partly due to his sexual persona, but Grubb was concerned about the character of the preacher being considered sexual, Lawton told him. If you want to sell God, you have to be sexy. That's what Lawton told him. Ah. Filming uh, took place between August 15th and October 7th, 1954, for a total of 36 days. Lawton kept his editor and musical composer on set during the filming, which was very uncommon at the time. Mitchum originally suggested to Lawton to shoot the film in authentic Appalachian locations, but the director couldn't afford the budget to do on-location shooting. Besides, he wanted to create a film's unique look on the Hollywood sound stages and found what he was looking for at the Pathé Republic Studios. Certain cutaway shots and composing shots were shot in West Virginia. Lawton hired Terry Sanders as second unit director in order to scout and shoot the river scenes because he had recently directed an Academy Award winning short, A Time Out of War, which mostly took place on a river. So there are so many moments within Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter, when I first caught a glimpse of it, It was when I had discovered Robert Mitchum through the AFI, 100 Years, 100 Stars. And there's these clips of him and Lillian Gish. And even Lillian Gish, who was on that list, you know. In fact, Night of the Hunter on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Thrills was number 34. Uh, AFI's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains, Reverend Harry Powell, was villain number 29. It's an interesting film. 
Let's dive into these characters. This is probably Robert Mitchum at his best. The fact that the film didn't do well, the fact that he didn't even get nominated for it, he should have won. I mean, Robert Robert Mitchum, I think a lot of people, you know, don't give him the credit. They just think he's this baritone sexual man, and he was. But he was much more than that. Robert Mitchum as Reverend Harry Powell. Shelley Winters as Willa Harper. Lillian Giss as Rachel Cooper. Billy Chapin as John Harper. Sally Jane Bruce as Pearl Harper. James Gleason as Uncle Bertie Stepfo. Uh, Evelyn Verdon as Icy Spoon Willie's employer. Peter Graves as Ben Harper. Peter Graves, who was, you know... Mr. A&D biography is in it. And it's interesting to see him like that. It's like, oh my goodness, he used to act. Unsolved Mysteries. So, this movie, I mean, first of all, the cinematography, the, the look, the feel of this vibe... I was just reading what Shelley Winters had to say about this film. When I first discovered this film, and I remember I sat and watched one late night, and I and I felt for the kids in this. This is truly a scary movie for kids. Robert Mitchum plays this unhinged, charismatic, diabolic preacher. And it's all his fingers. He's got these tattoos on his fingers. And I wanted to dive in for you. You, you, Leave it to Robert Mitchum. You know, my grandmother really enjoyed Robert Mitchum. I can see why. He was a handsome man and he had that voice. And, you know, he, he later went on to sing songs, you know, Thunder Road and this man just didn't give a shit. And he was perfect for, you know, Reverend Powell. Ah, little lad, you're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now watch and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging one against the other. Now watch them. Oh, brother, left hand. Left hand hates a fighting. And it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won. And old left hand hate is down for the count. Now, what's interesting is the way Robert Mitchum, he's always on horseback. He comes into this story meeting Peter Graves' character in prison. Something happens to Peter Graves' character. And so he promises to look after his family. Also knowing that there's money hidden that Peter Graves' character stole. So that's really the meal ticket for Robert Mitchum's character. And he comes upon Shelley Winter's character and her two children. And the boy is very weary of Reverend Powell. 
Meanwhile, Shelley Winters is just all over him. You know, she she feels that this man, you know, he can complete her. But then we start to learn the the true initial darkness of Harry Powell. I am just in awe of this film. So what happens next is pretty disturbing. So one night they're lying in bed and Harry Powell says to the wife, played by Shelley Winters, Willa, that she's an impure. You know, that she is only made for him. Meanwhile, he's been harassing the daughter who has this doll, Pearl. And the boy is like, you need to stay away from him. He ain't no preacher. And people start to catch wind of, you know, there's always a mystery and intrigue in a film noir. This is fantasy noir, maybe. And what happens is the mother is murdered. And Harry Powell tries to cover it up. So the kids basically, you know, go on this this um, escapade. They go on this adventure to try to escape him. Meanwhile, he's on horseback and he's following them. And it is creepy. It is creepy. And he's singing. And Robert Mitchum, that's why, you know, we always talk about people getting awards. And this man... You know, people, they always give them to people who play creepy characters, you know, like Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs. But this, this is, oh my goodness. So what happens is the kids stumble upon Lillian Gish and Lillian Gish is looking after all of these kids who have families and the parents can't take care of them fully yet. And so she's almost like a den mother to them. And... Lillian Gish vows to look out for these children. Meanwhile, Harry Powell has come a come a call in and he's like, Oh, those are my children. And the boy, you know, John says, Oh no, you know, he ain't no preacher. He ain't my pa. Here's and here's what happens. He just will not let go. And Here's a here's a very creepy scene. Meaning safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a Fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus. Safe and secure from all arms. Be on Jesus, be on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. 
Ruby, go get the children out of bed and bring them down here. Women are such German fools. through this that Robert Robert Mitchum is a really bad guy but he's so good at playing the bad guy and why not Brito because John said I must never mind what John said John's a meddler now stop that sniveling look at here you know what that is want to see something cute now looky how about that this is what I use on meddlers. John might be a meddler. No, no. No, little lamb, don't touch it. Now, don't touch my knife. That makes me mad. Makes me very, very mad. And just tell me, where's the money hid? But I swore I promised John I would tell. John doesn't matter. Can I get that through your head, you poor, silly, disgusting little wretch? There now. Made me lose my temper. I'm sorry. I'm real sorry. Now just tell me. Where is it hid, honey? I'll tell. I thought I told you to keep your mouth shut. It ain't fair to make Pearl tell when she swore she wouldn't. I'll tell. Well, I declare. Sometimes I think poor old John might make it to heaven yet. All right, boy, where's the money? In the cellar. Buried under a stone on the floor. It'll go hard if I find your lying, boy. I'm not lying. Go look for yourself. All right. Come along. What? Go ahead of me. The both of you. Down those stairs. So, what happens is, is that he goes. He's going to do something. See, and he, his dialogue is just so disturbing. And if I can find... Ah, here we go. This is a great scene. Miss Cooper, Lillian Gush is faced with her adversary, Robert Mitchum. Why, you're Miss Cooper, I take it. It's about that John and that Pearl. Oh, them poor little lambs. To think I never hope to see them again in this world. Oh, dear madam, if you wish to know what a crown of thorns I have borne in my search for them straight chicks. Ruby, go fetch them kids. Oh, madam, I see you're looking at my hands. Would you like me to tell you the little story of left hand, right hand, the tale of good and evil? It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. Them kids is yours? 
my own flesh and blood. Where's your missus? Uh, she run off with a drummer during prayer meeting. Where's she at? Down the river somewhere, Parkersburg, maybe a Cincinnati. One of them, Sodoms of the Ohio River. She took them kids with her? Oh, heaven only knows what unholy sights and sounds them innocent little babes has heard in the dens of perdition where she dragged them. Right funny, ain't it, how they rode all the way up river in a ten-foot John boat. Are they well, Miss Cooper? A sight better than they was. Gracious, gracious, you are a good woman, Miss Cooper. How are you figuring to raise them two without a woman? Oh, the Lord will provide. The Lord is merciful. Oh, what a day this is. And there's little John. What's wrong, John? Come to me, boy. What's wrong, John? Didn't you hear me, boy? John, when your dad says come, you should mind him. He ain't my dad. No, and he ain't no preacher, neither. Mister. She's got a shotgun pointed at him. March, mister. I'm not fooling. All right. But you haven't heard the last of Harry Powell yet. The Lord God Jehovah will guide my hand in vengeance. You devils. You whores of Babylon. Now, see the expressionism within the film. Listen to it. The shadows, the cinematography, the music, the menacing. And the and these poor kids, you know, all they want is some, some stability. Meanwhile, they've got this doll that he wants. And it's through Mrs. Cooper, played by Lillian Gush, that they find a, a sense of solace. You know, they're orphans now. And she protects them. She protects them with that shotgun. And meanwhile, Robert Robert Mitchum's character is like a wild animal in this. He just won't back down. And it's truly an extraordinary performance. I'm I'm still stunned to this day that it didn't receive the love and adoration that it truly, truly deserved. So to the cast of Night of the Hunter, I say thank you. And Robert Mitchum, this is probably one of his best roles. You know, he did uh, Heaven Knows Mr. Addison and Out of the Past and um, Cape Fear. Nobody, nobody does Cape Fear like Robert Mitchum. You know, that voice, that booming voice. I can't do it. So, you know, yes, this... This is along the lines of noir, but it's not film noir detective. It's film noir expressionism. It's film noir looking at um, these two children within a southern area. So it's a southern gothic, perhaps. It's uh, it's an allegory. It's a tale of good and bad and someone who is posing as someone who is good and feels that... He, he needs to be strict in order to hide his true, you know, aspirations behind this. You know, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, basically. He's a false prophet, as Miss Cooper says to them. Beware of that. 
And Ruby, one of the older girls that he, she looks after, goes after him and says, you know, I've been out with man. And yeah, you know, this is this is truly an extraordinary film. It's a dark film. Um, I hope that the clips I provided for you on the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast get you into the mood to watch Night of the Hunter. It's not for the faint of heart. It is truly a movie that needs to be watched. I wish that the Academy could have a way of redoing the awards and saying, you know, let's acknowledge the brilliance of Charles Lawton, his directorial debut, the only de- the only film that he ever made as a director, because it it just wasn't um, it it didn't it didn't get the love, you know. In fact. The Night of the Hunter premiered in 1955 in, in Des Moines, Iowa, a special event to raise money for the YMCA in Gregory's hometown, which included a parade and a broadcast on The Tonight Show. It later had its premiere in Los Angeles on August 26, 1955. To promote the film, the Los Angeles Herald Express ster- serialized the film's script through throughout 1955. The film also received an extension promotional campaign from United Artists, but they weren't sure about the best way to promote it because it didn't fall into any typical film genres. And the promotional material didn't give a good sense of what the film was about. However, one of the film's ads won an award for being in the top 50 best ads of 1954 from the American Institute of Graphic Arts. According to Paul Gregory, absolutely no money was spent on promotion. United Artists didn't have the muscle, desire, or intelligence to handle the picture. He originally had the idea to tour the film, Roadshow Style, stopping at certain cities that were familiar with Lawton's plays, but he couldn't convince the studio. The Roman Catholic Diocese of Cheyenne denied the film's release, and Gregory wanted to put together a lawsuit against them, but the studio wouldn't allow him to. Night of the Hunter was not a success with either audiences or critics or at an initial release, and Lawton never directed another film. Bosley Crawler of the New York Times called the film a weird and intriguing endeavor, adding, unfortunately, the story and the thesis presented by Mr. Grubb had to be carried throughout by Mr. Lawton to to a finish, and it's here he goes wrong. For the evolution of the melodrama after the the threatened, frightened children flee home, angels off into the allegorical contrast of the forces of evil and good. The film is shot in black and white styles, motifs of German expressionism, bizarre shadows, stylized dialogue, distorted perspectives, surrealistic sets, odd camera angles, to create a simplified and disturbing mood that reflects the sinister character of Harry Powell, the nightmarish fears of the children, and the sweetness of their savior, Rachel. Due to the film's visual style and themes, it is also often categorized as film noir. And there you have it. Lawton took this commercial failure to his of his first film personally and never attempted to make another film, which is very unfortunate. Hmm. Yeah. I I love this film. It's truly film noir at its best. Charles Lawton as director. Elsa Lanchester almost appeared in this. She was his wife at the time. 
but we uh, thankfully have, you know, the brilliance of Robert Mitchum as Reverend Harry Powell, Shelley Winters as Willa Harper, Lillian Gish as Rachel Cooper, Billy Chapin as John Harper, Sally Jane Bruce as Pearl Harper. This is truly an extraordinary film. I want to give a tribute to John Chapin, or William Chapin, who died... Um, about four years ago at the age of 72 he was a child actor this film is a testament to his memory as well as the memory of Lillian Gish and Robert Mitchum so this is the Dr. Zeus film podcast I recommend Night of the Hunter the title alone you know when you hear that title Night of the Hunter and all the little symbolism the, the symbols within the film i mean there's a symbol you know there's the owl that's a hunter right there harry pal is kind of a hunter of well he is a, a hunter so there's a lot of symbolism within this film okay so as always unpleasant dreams <laughs>